When you have the right recon process in place, it's easy to stay ahead of the game. Put your recon on cruise control today with iRecon, the solution built directly in Viato that obliterates recon inefficiencies and accelerates your used car sales. Visit viato.com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, December 29th, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, the chip shortage lingers on, but starts to ease up a bit. Inflation takes off, and electrification continues to change just about everything. Everywhere that there's an EV made, there's going to need to be a battery made. And so there will be battery factories all over the landscape. We'll take a look back at the year suppliers had in 2022 with Automotive News Editor Lindsay Chappell. Lindsay Chappell, welcome back to Daily Drive. Good to be here. So we're here today as part of our year in review series, uh, looking at suppliers and manufacturing. So, Lindsay, let's start with year two of the microchip shortage. Are we about out of the woods yet? We're halfway out of the woods, uh, the, the, literally halfway out of the woods. Uh, two years ago, we lost, uh, gosh, uh, 10 and a half uh, million cars out of production cars that couldn't be built because chips were missing. Uh, and that doesn't include cars that went ahead and got built uh, with with missing chips. Uh, ten and a half this year, it'll number will come in at about four and a half million. So, you know, we're climbing, climbing uh, back up the ladder. But there's still a lot of a lot of frustration and aggravation in the the global manufacturing machine. And a lot of it, you know, we focus on the consumers, that the consumers are getting uh, uh, the short end of the stick because they can't find the models they want or they find the model they want. And gosh, it sure is more expensive than it's supposed to be. But it's the suppliers, uh, the, the people that make the parts that are having all kinds of complications, as, as and they have been, but it, it hasn't gone away yet. They're still, they're still getting tripped up by this thing. It's, it has been through all this whole COVID experience um, has been just brutal on suppliers because volumes are down. Like you, I mean, like you said, 10 million vehicles worth of lost production just last year, just because of chips, not counting other you know reasons why production was lost in various parts around the world. But you know that it's been inconsistent. You know they can't plan hardly even week to week. You know, as so low volumes, inconsistent production, higher costs for inputs. It's just been a, it's been a real vice squeeze. And then at the same time, the irony that automakers and dealers are both rolling in profits uh, because the vehicles they make are so scarce, and they're the ones who are closest to the consumer uh, spigot of cash. You know, we went into twenty twenty two. Uh, with it looking like uh, profit pictures were going to improve for suppliers, they were they were starting to feel like they were out of the worst of it, you know. And then uh, mean old Mister Inflation stepped into the picture, and I think the last numbers I saw is that they were dealing this year with seven percent cost increase. That's cost for parts, higher prices that they were having to pay out for materials on average seven percent. But on top of that. Uh, a 20% higher cost of finance. So just, you know, capitalizing what they're doing and uh, borrowing money when they need to, you know, that, that's kind of put a damper on their enthusiasm. So 
it, it's that matched with what you said a second ago, the volatility of production. It's, it's not that, you know, customer X, uh, car maker X is telling parts supplier B that, you know, we're going to have lower production. It's, you know, your phone rings and, hey, crank up the production. Uh, you know, we're, we really need to get back on track. And then, whoa, 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 hold, hold production back down. Uh, we can't get the chips we need. You say, well, okay, that's a yo-yo effect. What else is it? Well, you know, add on to this another layer of human resources challenges. Staffing a factory in the middle of all this, having having enough people on hand for when you get that phone call uh, that you you need to round up a whole bunch of extra workers, and then uh, no, never mind, don't need them anymore. Imagine being that worker. Yeah. You're thinking I'm going to go work yeah. for Amazon. Right, more consistent. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been it's been such a, a tough year, and yet there's a lot of investing going on, a lot of maybe opportunities and optimism about the future. Uh, North America has seen such a uh, just a, a mind blowing uh, amount of money being announced for EV plants, uh, like by automakers, but. That also leads to everyone has a, a battery plant that's going goes with it. Uh, we're talking about you know cell plants and assembly plants, uh, you know battery recycling facilities. Just a a, a massive investment in electrification. Um, do you do you buy into, is this idea that it's a, there's a battery belt emerging uh, across the kind of the mid south uh, where you are? There is a battery belt. Uh, uh, taking shape, but I think it's just the early wave. Uh, mm. When you think about, if, if, I mean, imagine let's let's look into the future a little bit for the the number of electric vehicles that are going to be produced in North America, and they're going to be produced everywhere. They're going to be produced in General Motors factories, Stellantis factories, uh, places in Canada, Mexico, the United States, places in Michigan, places uh, you name it. Ohio, India, everywhere that there's an EV made, there's going to need to be a battery made. And so there will be battery factories all over the landscape. And there will be uh, battery componentry, electrification components uh, that need to be scattered all over uh, the continent. So, yeah, it's going to be a wave. Now, obviously, electric vehicles of the future still have to have things like steering wheels and speedometers and horns. I imagine they need horns, uh, you know, gas pedals. Various noisemakers. Absolutely. Not just the uh, Dodges. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, there's a great deal of concern that uh, the supplier um, segment of the auto industry is going to be laid waste by this transformation. And a lot of it will, I mean, there's no getting around the fact that, you know, transmission factories and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, radiator factories, or, you know, whatever, uh, piston factories, they need, they need to remake themselves into something new uh, at some point, not immediately, but sometime in the next uh, decade or so, they've got challenges ahead. But uh, there's still going to be uh, a, a vast uh, industry of suppliers that have to step up to this new technology. Well, to your point about uh, some of the patterns in the investments, 
yeah, there there needs to be a battery for every car and there needs to be a battery plant for every assembly plant just about because they're so heavy and so expensive to ship, you know, steering wheels and even, I mean, tires and axles are cheap, <laughs> cheap and easy to move around compared to, um, you know, uh, EV batteries. So uh, definitely, you know, this huge wave now, and you're right, more, even much more to come as the, if we're going to see a 50% EV production, perhaps by uh, the end of the decade or early next decade, uh, just a, a an incredible transformation. So yeah, it'll be fifty yeah, percent is eight million cars and trucks. <laughs> That's a lot of battery factories. It is. I mean, somebody's got to build them. You know, we're, we're we're tracking everyone at Automotive News every time it comes along. Uh, we're going to have a big list pretty soon. Well, and we're also seeing more investment and kind of a, a new link off a whole new, but much more than a link, a whole chain off of the supply chain toward these EVs. That's so much of it is driven by the new federal tax policy on EV tax credits and on manufacturing, on mining. You know, there's the the consumer pull through the EV tax credits, but also the direct investments, the direct loans uh, that the federal government is making for, you know, the GMLG, uh, battery plants and and lots of others and 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 for mining and materials processing all that. That's a whole other can of worms. I mean, uh, uh, I mean, we people people hear about uh, a lithium mine and they picture someplace in, in remote Alaska or Nevada or someplace, but there's a there is a big new incentive for suppliers uh, for for. Uh, international automakers, I mean, BMW, Mercedes, Volvo, uh, Honda, uh, to locate production in the United States or in Canada or Mexico, but in North America, there has always been, and it has always been explained as a, as a concern of logistics that, well, we don't, we don't want to have a supply chain that stretches all the way from fill in the blank. We don't want to have to wait for shipments from Stuttgart. We want you nearby for all the quality reasons, for all the cost reasons. Well, okay, that was the good old days. Now there are other reasons to do this. We have to qualify for uh, the new IRA uh, content issues for our EVs. This isn't this isn't an internal combustion car we're talking about anymore, where you could load up a, a cardboard box with pistons. You know, you got to have the batteries made nearby. You don't want to ship those uh, forever across the ocean. Uh, you know, the, the the electrical componentry that goes into it. You don't you don't want to have them tied up at a port in Shanghai. You want this stuff made in the United States or Canada or Mexico. And so we're going to see even more investment uh, than we've been seeing for the last two decades. It's really amazing, uh, especially in the face of, you know, a labor shortage <laughs> that yeah. is uh, driving up the cost of labor in every segment of the economy. Uh, magically, it'll all work out. But <laughs> uh, but there has been more, there's even more of a drive for localization and sourcing, you know, beyond EVs and the, the batteries and, and compliance with the Inflation Reduction Act, right? Yeah, we were we were hearing uh, going back a decade about reshoring in quotation marks. We there was a drive to let's reshore manufacturing, let's bring back American jobs. Well, 
Some of that was uh, about patriotism or politics. I don't know. Uh, but, but sourcing uh, by the automakers is always about logistics and quality and cost. It's going beyond that now. I mean, I think I think there is a new day coming of reshoring that has a whole new definition from what it meant. It's a drive to have things made in the security of North America. And I don't, I don't mean to say anything against other parts of the world. I'm just saying if I am reliant on my shipment of parts of, let's say, uh, steering wheels, I can't afford to have a typhoon uh, throw me off for a week. My production, is, especially now, is so precious that I've got so many factors tripping me up. I, I don't need that on top of it. I don't, I don't want to wait anymore to have lighting come to me from wherever, from Asia or from um, uh, Europe. From Europe. Yeah. yeah. I, I want it right here. And uh, it has nothing to do with politics. It has nothing to do with patriotism. It has to do with business fundamentals. Coming up, Jamie and Lindsay talk about supply chain security in 2022 and whether it will get big investments in the next 12 months. That's next on Daily Drive. Warning, your reconditioning process needs attention. Unexpected shortages and delays can throw off even the most routine recon work, slowing your sales and eating into your bottom line. Identify and fix reconditioning inefficiencies to turn your inventory faster with iRecon. This reconditioning solution, built directly in V-Auto, keeps you in control of your service department and puts your recon on cruise control. With real-time alerts and reports, iRecon helps you get ahead of potential issues before they become costly problems. You'll be able to track who's doing the work and how long tasks are taking, see the status of any vehicle in an instant, and make adjustments where needed. And it's all done in an easy-to-use dashboard you can customize to fit your workflow. Obliterate inefficiencies and accelerate your used car sales only with iRecon. Run your personal recon diagnostics with us today and put your process on cruise control. Slate Money is a weekly roundup of the most important stories from the world of business and finance. Hosted by Felix Salmon, Elizabeth Spires, and me, Emily Peck. Confused by crypto? Can't keep up with the metaverse? Wondering why the price of just about everything keeps rising? The Slate Money podcast is here for you. Listen to Slate Money every Saturday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. We're listening to my conversation with automotive news editor, Lindsay Chappell. We're talking about the biggest stories and trends affecting suppliers in 2022. Here's more of our conversation. I had the chance to talk to Mary Barra recently and she talked, um, has that for a name drop, right? Uh, but uh, <laughs> she talked about how they took what they learned from the microchip shortage and refocused that toward this EV supply chain because that wasn't something that used to be a big deal. Now, you know, they used to not pay any attention to chips. It was all came into them through, you know, Lear and American Axle or, you know, whoever that came through their suppliers, Magna. Now they're like, well, we've got to figure out where all our chips come from. And so, oh, 
we're rebuilding our company around, you know, these really expensive batteries. <laughs> How are those going to get made? And started, you know, drilling down. And that's got them investing in, you know, mining and refining and mineral processing, you know, and in a, you know, in a way that you would never have seen before um, because of the lessons learned. Yeah. It, it was really heartening to hear the CEO of GM saying that stuff. Uh, and, but it's the reality that I'm trying to get past is that nobody ever seems to learn that lesson. You know, automotive news, at least once every two or three years, has to run a story that says, well, they didn't learn their lesson two or three years ago when <laughs> the earthquake, you know, uh, destroyed this supply chain. They didn't learn their lesson when the pandemic shut down. Hopefully, they will they will learn less than this time. Maybe you know people talk about how difficult it is to turn around a battleship. You know, particularly in the case of General General Motors is a battleship. General Motors is a fleet of ships. You know, trying to turn around the seventh fleet. You know, in a port somewhere. That's that's the challenge they have when it comes to supply chains. So I, I was really heartened, but at the same time, I'm it's depressing to think that. <laughs> the money will start coming in and everybody will be lighting their cigars with $20 bills and it won't be an issue anymore, but then it'll be an issue again. Yeah. Well, there's always that push, right? That if you can save 1%, if you could save one and a half percent, you know, by get, by consolidating everything with one plant and one supplier, <clears throat> it's hard to resist 1% in the cost of a car. So yeah. always, uh, always appreciated. Indeed, indeed, and uh, and I and I think they it falls upon suppliers a lot of times to win this battle. It 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 it, it does. It's not just something that magically occurs in a purchasing department somewhere. It it really takes a visionary supplier to step forward and say, "We can do this for you. We, we look what we can do. We have this plan. Check this out." Into to successfully articulate and argue a case for change, that the supplier uh, does that. And uh, you just have to hope that after being kicked around and battered around by the elements and struggling to find engineers, that in the next two years, the next three years, that suppliers will be strong enough to be able to wage those battles. All right, so I, I, I hear you trying to put a, uh, some optimism, some hope, some uh, path to glory here in, in what seems like what might be a pretty you know frustrating environment. I want to end with one other sort of optimistic note. Uh, you had a, a story recently. There is a, a boom in sales of tooling. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's delightful to see this and it's, it's to understand better why is there suddenly, you know, I thought we're, you know, we're in hard times, we're going into a recession and what, what are customers thinking? It's the cycle. It's the magical cycle of the auto industry. <laughs> you design a truck, years go by, and then it's time to design it again. And it doesn't matter whether there's a recession or you can't get chips. It's the cycle, and the cycles are coming back for these key products, just like they always did, and just like they always will. So we are, we are, you know, rolling along uh, on this wheel, and it's just 
coming up very soon that uh, in the next two or three years, we're told uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, business activity. And this doesn't, you know, retailers aren't going to make money on uh, this, all this stuff. This is this, this just reflects the, the activity throughout the auto industry at manufacturers and uh, people getting ready for products and, and, uh, you know, having having uh, rolls and uh, new trim levels on this and that. But we've seen we've seen in our history covering this industry, right? I mean, there are times when those cycles don't come back around, or you know, they get delayed. Uh, we've seen you know companies like I'm thinking earlier in this century in particular, but you know, in the '90s and the '80s, where <clears throat> programs get extended and extended because the companies don't have the cash. This has been such a weird, again, the, the economy has been so strange mm-hmm. the last couple of years. I mean, the automakers have the money, you know, they're, they're, they are going to stay on track. Huh. <laughs> so, and, and the other thing that was curious, you found it wasn't even this proliferation of EVs no. that was to leading to all the extra tooling. It, it was just trim all the different variations of the, the highly profitable, you know, big trucks and SUVs. Good old rumbling trucks, you know. <laughs> Uh, that that EV, EVs are significant. EVs are, you know, it's going to be a field of mushrooms. I mean, they're going to appear everywhere. The difference, though, is that uh, let's say I'm a, I'm a car company and I come out with an EV. Uh, as bullish as I may be to bring forth this EV, I'm a nervous wreck that I don't know how many I'm going to sell. I don't know what people are going to actually want because I've never sold this EV before. So the last thing I'm going to do with that EV is to let's, let's bring it out with uh, 12 different variations. Let's uh, <laughs> let, let's plan on these 16 trim levels and let's uh, let's offer one of these. They're not doing that. They're not going to, they're, they're business. Not people. Even. These, these people, these people aren't stupid. We write about, uh, but the good old rumbling uh, gas vehicles that, uh, are coming back up in the cycle. Those things are are cornucopias of, of variations and trims. We want this in leather. We want this in wood. We want this with the screen here. We want this with a console. We want this with this kind of uh, front end. We want a grill of this nature. We want you know how many different Ford F one fifties exist. Oh you know, my! It's, you had a mind blowing. Yeah, F, bring your F one fifty down to the Walmart parking lot. You know there wouldn't be two similar cars in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's just it's business for everybody. Now, you know, again, car dealers aren't going to make any money off this thing yet, but they're coming out, and that's when they'll make the money. All right. Well, hopefully uh, we're heading into a year with uh, more chip supply, more production, uh, more uh, more steady work for suppliers up and down the chain. Lindsay Chappell, automotive news editor for all kinds of things, but especially uh, suppliers and manufacturing. Thank you so much for being with me today. I enjoyed talking about it. Happy holidays. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on suppliers and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a look back on the year that retailers had in 2022. 
If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.